What's good, Dad Bod Rap Pod listeners? It's your boy, Dem One Government Name, Damone Carter, here to tell you why you should most definitely subscribe to the Dad Bod Rap Pod Patreon. If you're anywhere near my age bracket, you're probably saying to yourself, what the fuck is a Patreon? Alright, that's a fair question. Patreon is a platform where we post exclusive content for folks who subscribe. For example, a $5 a month subscription gets you access to Nate LeBlanc's fake radio show, Fly Sporadic, my weekly Spotify playlist series, Dems Gems, Patreon-only album review segments, and so much more. Right now, there is over 90 hours of content on our Patreon just waiting for you to slide through. You can interact with us and other subscribers. It's like a cool-ass members-only club feel without the Twitter weirdos and goofy discourse. So do yourself and us a favor and subscribe to the Dad Bod Rap Pod Patreon. All this fly shit for just $5 a month. Exclusively yours. Go to patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. That's patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. Peace. Squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dead bod rap pod. Podcasting live from San Jose, California, it's the dead bod rap pod. My name is Damone Carter, aka Dem One. I'm the rapper, he's the producer. Uh, Nate LeBlanc, what's happening? Oh, you know, um, just living life, um, thinking about next week's episode and already trying to make jokes about it. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to do it on the Patreon. We, you know, we've talked like very loosely about what if we made a record that reflects the sensibilities of the show someday. Yeah. But like all my ideas are puns. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it, it's like it's like Masai would have a song featuring Masai Bay where he plays Masai's Bay. Hey. You know what I mean? Like that to me would be a good song. But big pun over here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's why this will never happen. It's like you can't have like that doesn't actually that's not how you make it. Hey, songs. Prince Paul has gone very far inside <laughs> jokes. So <laughs> I think true. we should uh we should definitely draw on that inspiration. And we also have the ambitions of the writer. Nice. David Ma, what's happening? <laughs> hey, doing good, you guys. Um, it's been a fucking hot ass week in the bay. So um good to yeah. see you guys. I'm yes. glad we're not in the same room. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm not going I'm not gonna play with y'all. The summertime podcasting, because I don't have AC and you can't run a fan while you podcast. Let's just say I hit the showers after this. It's like it's like a it's like I played a pickup game. Yeah, gotta, <laughs> gonna have some orange slices. Yeah, I remember uh, the stretch. episode where we uh, interviewed Ant from Atmosphere. Oh it was actually God. at Damone's pad, and it was right. just hot as fuck that day. Do you remember that? Yes. Like that, yes, that, I, was, that was my takeaway from the interview. You know, 
I, <laughs> exactly. I remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember very little about talking to him and a lot about like trying to peel out of that chair. Uh, heat, heat exhaustion. Uh, but that's, you know, we podcast. We podcast through uh, all of the climate disasters. And we're glad that you keep tapping in here with the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Uh, the topic that we'd like to broach today is not necessarily uh, related to our interview guest. I want to make that clear off top. Um, not necessarily, Nate. Nate gave me a waving, a wavy hand of like, <laughs> that's cap. Isn't but it kind of? But a little bit. Right. They'll see when we get there. It's like yeah. addressed in the interview as well. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it'll be addressed in the interview. But I just, I don't want people to come away going, they just think of elusive cryptic. Like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we'll see what you think after this. So I, I did start to think about rap songs that I love that I just, I do not understand the lyrics. And, and we'll get into some of our favorites and actually the folks on Twitter chimed in with some. But where, where I wanna begin is asking, put, posing this to both of y'all is how important is somebody kicking comprehend, comprehensible, understandable lyrics to you in terms of a rap song, Nate LeBlanc? Um, it's the goalposts move on this mm -hmm. it really depends mm -hmm. what kind of artist you are right. if you're trying to do some kind of joiner lucasy okay uh addressing an issue or yeah. like a like a brother ollie like yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh describing the world's messenger and i don't mm -hmm. understand what you're saying then what's the point but True. i love aesop rock right yeah. you know it's just like yeah. um that one of the first rap records i ever bought with my own money was a shapeshifters 12 inch like yeah i understand yeah. what they were saying like <laughs> kind of yes kind of no i'm actually i'm yeah. a very arrogant listener in the way that i always have my own meaning for it i don't i i wouldn't listen to anyone who i just thought it was gibberish like if like, it was just ooh. straight up nonsensical but in english i wouldn't i can't listen to that for hours and hours and base my life as a music appreciator about that okay. uh, but i do like abstract lyrics okay mm -hmm. Ooh, fine i grew line. up listening to bob dylan you know i, sure. I have a, I have a right. pretty wide range for what i'll take as what makes sense and making mm -hmm. sense is not so important as evoking a feeling right. mm. that's exactly mm. it yeah dave yeah i mean i would agree i mean uh, when i was really young and i you know even someone like Pasta Noose's verses, I'm like, it was hard to uh, sort of make the continuity there, you know, and sort yeah. of see what he was saying. And, yeah. you know, it really depends on the type of song that you're going for. Is it Slick Rick telling, telling a story? Well, you want things to be detailed and linear, you know, but yeah. if not, then it's, I mean, for, for um, lack of a better word, just catching a vibe, you know, it's the imagery yeah. that it creates. And, you know, um, is it, you know, is it, it, they, not everything needs to be like a Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan perfectly realized sentence you know what i mean to me um to, it can just yeah. it can just be verbal ballistics um a la ghostface right Clyde ghostface Tuck, is the know? perfect wedge on this because so uh, one we're going to talk about supreme clientele someday and we'll get more into this but two <laughs> it, it's a little over discussed how little it makes sense at this point like i was mm -hmm. just listening to it again nutmeg verbal ballistics totally um 
some of the other songs whose names are escaping me at the moment are fairly straightforward. Totally. A yeah. child's play, for instance, is sort of linear. Excellent. You know, he's using yes. yeah. imagery of like, you know, being yeah. sick as a kid and stuff. So yeah. that makes I, sense. I don't know. When 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 he's uh, says season they broth, when I'm making fun, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find that very straightforward. And break some Chico sticks in this broth. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. What about you, Damone? As a rapper, I yeah. feel like yeah. you always have a different totally. uh, level of what you need from people than we do as just more like fans kind of i mean my basic take on this is that rap is whatever you can get away with. so if you right. can get away mm. with being like wild cryptic and like it works for you great um you know being able to comprehend something isn't necessarily a non-starter for me um but it, it's all in in how you you get it across it's kind of like dos effects i think is a great example of um the far end of oh, just gibberish i mean flavorful gibberish if but... it's kiggity comprehensive or... <laughs> <laughs> i diggity didn't understand what they were talking about but uh no i kind of feel like that in particular and i hold that up because the thing they were doing their most nonsensical vocalese became a thing for like yeah. a while right, right? Yeah. like people latched onto it and i think rap at its essence is fly talking so yeah, yeah. whether or not that creates a, a, a linear narrative is not as important. Now, I do think the, the thing that irks me is when somebody's trying to mask their lack of um, storytelling ability or ability to communicate in, in, the, gibberish, in the gibberish, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're they, trying when, to make- When they get, uh, as they call, super scientifical. Yeah, exactly, exactly. When it gets super, for, for no good reason. I'm like, you know, you're kind of using this in a way that um, is you're trying to front, like you're you're right. saying something really deep, but really it's it's just words out. Fake deep is brutal. And like a lot <laughs> of the music that gets sent to us by hobbyists, yeah. not mm -hmm. only is poorly recorded, but is so fake deep yeah. in a way that like it's like it, it cannot be listened to. <laughs> i applaud you for this, trying though get yeah. this away from me like that line was you thought you thought so hard about that line and it does not land at all like totally there, there's also something to be said for just clarity too you know yeah. some rappers who just rap fucking fast but you know like a micah nine for example sometimes i'm yeah. like you're not exactly sure what wavelength he's on but it yeah. sounds dope and like nate said it evokes a feeling you know but micah i mean once you read his lyrics sometimes they make fucking great sense sometimes yeah. Just too abstract, you yeah. know. Yeah, but they, yeah, but, but it sounds terrific, and the energy's there. I, I want to bring in someone who ma makes crystal clear, perfect sense at times, and who definitely is abstract at times, and see where he fits into this conversation for you guys. And that is one of the dawns of abstract rap, Cool Keith. Right. Ooh. Right. Uh, cool Keith at his best is witty, irreverent, nonsensical. Right. It's it's the best type of non sequitur. Um, mm -hmm. Cool Keith um at his not best um is it's like oh you didn't get away with that you right. know what i mean it's like i know right. i know right. what this is and i know kind of what you're trying to do and what you've done but there have been some latter day verses where i'm like oh, i don't know if you got away with that, that those that are just time. words yeah right it's like you those never just words you never you never it's uh i forget who says it um you'll correct me it's a famous line he's like uh you can go off beat on purpose it's dell if you can yeah. go off beat on purpose, purpose but you have to come back on beat right. or else it isn't worth it's it worthless. Yeah, it's worthless yeah um yeah. it's right. the same with abstraction and like 
is is what's this song about is it about mm-hmm. words floating in the ether of the beat is it a, are you trying to give us some kind of narrative what's the structure and i actually right. think it's uh in a good way represented in sir menelik or sir menelik who was cool keith mm-hmm. at one time's kind of like protege mm-hmm. and it's like it's like taking the cool keith ethos and taking it even further further into yeah. kind of a backpacky realm where it's like this these you just have to surrender to the flow to of the words like and come up with your own meanings because they're these songs aren't about anything seemingly you know what i mean oh, uh, think in a good way i really respect him oh cool absolutely cool, uh, keith, yeah. Yeah. cool keith obviously sort of okay. like i don't know if you guys saw this they're coming out with ultra magnetic shoes what? Oh, I saw your post about yeah. that. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. Ewings. You know, Ewings. Yeah. Yeah. They're oh. like those really oh, chunky yes. high tops. Yeah, yeah. They have a version called the Rogue. It's one of their standard models. They did a big L shoe, which like that oh. kind of, it's like just oh. black and white. I think I saw that online. Yeah, okay. and then uh, they have they have these ultra magnet. They're not cool keys shoes. They're ultra magnetic, ultra magnetic shoes. shoes. Yeah, Man, it's, it's cr- okay. critical footwear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you wear them you'll be traveling at the speed of thought Uh, oh wow what's it called um oh man i can't do it because it has a monogrammed pattern all over and they remind me too much of those hoodies that people used to wear with like cookie monster and ecstasy oh i see i see but they're so cool and the box actually is sick it's like a flip of the cover and trust me my cursor hovered over at Descartes for a long time. Your hand shook. Yeah. His yeah. <laughs> hand trembled. It's like a uh, pookie in New Tech City. City, exactly. <laughs> to go with your So Hot It Hurts t-shirt. Come on. Another person I'd like to bring up in this conversation, and only because I read an article where he specifically addresses it, and he's not a hip-hop person, but it's Beck. Like, I happen yeah. to be a big fan of early Beck, like, especially his, like, singer songwritery acoustic stuff on, like, One Foot in the Grave. And he he did this big interview when he divorced his wife, and he had to, like, mm-hmm. kind of come out as not a Scientologist. Do you guys remember this? Oh, I don't. That's his wild. wife is a Scientologist, a lifelong Scientologist. She's in the Rabizi family. They're actors, okay. and they're, they've been Scientologists since, like, the beginning of Scientology or whatever, so... He needed to clarify now that he wasn't in this marriage anymore, that he was never a Scientologist. He was just married to this woman. And in that interview, I think it was in Rolling Stone, they talked about his lyrics and how they kind of went from not making sense to making more sense. And he said this thing and it was basically like, he's like, all my early reviews, they were just saying like, my lyrics are gibberish. And he's like, I worked on that gibberish for three hours. (laughs) Like it has very specific meaning for me. Just because you don't understand like yeah. what I meant by, you know, um, get funky with the cheese whiz. Yeah, right. no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm a person who really likes that era of his career and always thought that they evoked feelings and mostly of kind of like a slackery decline of Western civilization. Like everything sucks, but let's laugh at it rather than despair. Kind of like Gen X, like, you know, you guys Very are a loser. You understand, yeah. the, mm-hmm. you understand yeah. the term. That's the catchy version of it. There's a lot of things that are less catchy about it. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it reminded me of some rappers. It was like, yeah. it was like, they're like, no, nah, dude, I like, I wrote that verse for three months. Like every <laughs> syllable was decided. Means something. Yeah, it all means something to them. So I just, I've, I've always kind of been like, oh, poor Beck, you know? <laughs> yeah, to get, to get lumped in as being something that, um, and, and Beck kind of, that's a good example because he borrows from a lot of rap sensibilities in the sense that he was doing a fly white guy 
kind of talk, right? Like it's a form, it's a form of talk and it's a language. And I know when I listen to stuff that is quote unquote cryptic, I, I also just look for the consistencies in it. So if you listen, um, Billy Woods, I don't always understand what's going on, but the wordplay and the imagery all comes from a set of places, right? Like he doesn't right. just drop things on you. It's like, it's, it's within the, the, the context. Um, we, uh, I actually kind of wish I, we had asked Elucid about this now, but, uh, when Woods comes in on the Elucid album and he's like, muff diving, no snorkel. <laughs> it was so unexpected, dude. Like, if he had said it in the middle of a verse, I don't think it would have even caught my ear at all. But to jump into the deep end, pun he's fully intended on that one, it was so funny, dude. That so really caught me. And uh, just purely relatable. That's what I'm talking about. Some people... <laughs> Relatable Some people music. speak with a clarity that I understand. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, of the year. Let's uh, let's look a little bit at some of our asked. I post this question on Twitter. What are some rap songs that you love yet you don't understand? And it's like it's eighty percent Lucini right now. So Dave, <laughs> Dave, are were you a you, <laughs> yeah? What are you a, a Camp Low guy? And what what did you ever make? I have a take here, but I want to hear yours. What did you uh-huh. make of Camp Low? I like Camp Low. I mean, for them, uh, I mean, they have swag. And for them, I mean, if you're li- listening to words as sound, like yeah. rhythmic, rhythmically, they're fucking dope. I think yeah. they have a lot of presence. But after a while, they're just talking about champagne bubbles. You know what I mean? Right. It's, right. The, 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 um, the words be- end up becoming hollow, I think, is, is what ends up happening with them. I mean, it's, it's not something you rewind. But I mean, you you rewind it for like the bump factor, you know. I think they, yeah. you know, to use to use your uh, verbiage. I mean, they make bops to me, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, uh, and also, you're saying Casanova Brown levitating jiggy in the shiggies, <laughs> and L.A. Hada Car Fifty Four chasing diamond queen runners. See, um, it's like their whole thing is like it's a movie, and like the yeah, movie yeah. takes place inside that painting, the sugar yeah, shack right, on yeah, the right. cover. And yeah, it's right. like if you if you tell me that, and they fully tell you that, it's very cinematic, right. especially their first album, which is their classic album, and they have some yeah. other good stuff. But I think I've told this story on the pod before, so I'll keep it short. But like they were making a comeback at one point, I think with that song, uh, Lumby. You guys Lumbee know that Lie. song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just mm-hmm. I yep. happen to be a fan of that song. It's a cool the way yeah, they yeah. use the. Smokey Robinson is really cool. Oh, I guess I shouldn't say that. Everyone knows that. Anyway, um, <laughs> we were talking to one of our friends and she, uh, I think it was Cutso. He was like, oh yeah, Camp Lowe's coming back. And I heard the new song. It's like pretty catchy. And she, uh, our friend, it was our friend, Veronica. She's just like, oh no, are they going to start making sense now? never yeah i I think about that all the time i'm like yeah yeah it's like you brought up dos effects earlier it's like um people didn't like him as much when they stopped doing the iggity like that's it's the whole thing is like what is your intention it's like are you just gonna give us seven black exploitation movies if you're camp low or do you want to try something different like you have to bring the audience along right but they they're Mm -hmm. not like switching it up and doing like public enemy like no no and i yeah, but I kind of feel like the 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 approach is almost very similar to Wu Tang in, in the sense that um, this fragmented painting of a of a picture, right? I think it's that's perfect. On Uptown Saturday Night, they're literally describing scenes from black exploitation flicks, but in the like the William S. Burroughs cut out the fucking words and like put them all together in in some fly shit, and it's not meant to be absorbed uh, as like a linear kind of narrative. And in some things, 
that's great. I, I listen to not only Ghost, but Raekwon sometimes will just right, jump right. from subject to subject. But if you're like, this is all one picture that mm-hmm. he's painting, uh, mm-hmm. it, it kind of it kind of makes sense. Dave, you, you brought up uh, Pasta News, um, which I think to me was the is maybe the king of uh, cryptic him and him and Dave. Uh, do you feel like De La Soul's legacy is impacted by the fact that a lot of their stuff can be like inaccessible stakes is high notwithstanding when they kind of came down from the mountain but their earlier work is very cryptic do you think that that impacts their kind of legacy and how people perceive their work i think it does impact how people perceive their work but i don't think it's it's um uh, it's negatively um (laughs) for me personally (laughs) if anything it adds a sort of sense of mystique i mean if you listen to what they're doing and then once you do sort of understand it they were just simply advanced yeah, you know what I mean? Very much. I mean, just Pasta News is just a brilliant writer, but I'm saying yeah. it, it, you put on music for, for sort of what you're looking for. So sometimes you don't want some challenging shit. Sometimes you just want some fucking bangers, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, no, I think if anything, it has probably helped because they're fucking wise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My only quick take on that is like when you hear normal people talk about De La Soul, they often talk about how many samples they used. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like people tend to focus on the music a little bit more because the music is very accessible. It's taking from all these, this AM radio golden era kind of thing. And like you can really get behind that sample. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. really understand what. The verse was maybe yeah. maybe perhaps not unless you put some investment. Do, do you know yeah. that the the ultimate joint in that bucket of like normal non-rap people liking a song, but you know they have no idea what's going on is a uh, diggable planets um, cool like that, uh, which I did one time at a karaoke night, um, <laughs> and it's like I feel like I know the words to that song, and this is what karaoke does to you. Yeah, when you see it printed, like we like the breeze flow straight out of our lids. Well, like what? Yeah. Our funk zooms like a Hitler married Jane. You're like, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah. Um, which, which in some ways really makes it even more amazing that when artists are able to to cross over big time, and you knew that not one person in a coffee shop understood what the fuck uh, Butterfly was talking about. But I feel like um, there is, with especially with rock music, sometimes there is this level of mystique, right? that rap people are used to rap being so straightforward that when it comes across as cryptic, sometimes they just don't know what to do with it. I I think about this a lot in terms of like the recent court cases where they're using lyrics Mm. against people. Like I was thinking the other day Mm. about how much we all know about the six, nine case because we like Sean Sotero. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I read the book, I listened to the podcast. It's like, I, I heard about all the blickies and stuff. Like I never would (laughs) have known what a blicky was. (laughs) Except for they're like describing it in these court documents and I'm reading it with rapid attention. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's, 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 an attempt to use slang and uh, inside, not inside jokes, but coded language, gang kind of signifying mm-hmm. language to be, uh, to not, to not end up on the stand. Right. So they won't know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And mm-hmm. then somebody gets up there and just tells you what everything means. And they're like, Oh, then you just confess to murder. <laughs> right. Yeah. All, all the dots <laughs> come together, uh, which is a whole, we got to do a, a crime and hip hop episode. We got to bring Sotero uh, back on because there are some scary ass cases that are coming to light of rap lyrics being used against rappers. Absurd. Absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of kind of ridiculous. But uh, that is another topic for another day. Um, like I said at the top, 
we are going to have a, a conversation about cryptic rap lyrics that may or may not relate to the uh, the interview that we have lined up with. Before uh, you go on, I have to be a, a semantic dickhead for a second. Sure. Do you use cryptic and abstract? I use cryptic to say of each cryptic, other? cryptic is a uh, mm-hmm. cryptic to me means I just I don't know. It's a code and I don't know what you're talking about. You're, Abstra- you're sure they know. But you yeah, don't necessarily yeah. know. That's it's cryptic in the cryptic. sense they're communicating something that I don't understand. Abstract to me is a little bit more like I'm taking like, something that makes sense and I'm I'm twisting it. No one could know. Kind of, yeah. Like it's an, an abstraction. Like right. we're taking it. I would say uh, maybe a divine styler fits in that thing. Uh, definitely some of some of Q-tip stuff. Not whole songs, but like bar for bar. Sometimes he. Oh, it's like you're literally being abstract in the way that you talk and, and right. move through the rap. So that's the distinction I make. I think our next guest is um, is both uh, at different times. And also, here's another buzzword, psychedelic. So <laughs> now, listen to the interview and see what we mean. Elucid on Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad Bar Rap Pod. Every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip hop culture. This week is no different. We have joining us at Zoom, Elucid. What's happening, man? Hey, what's going on, y'all? Uh, yeah. Just, uh, just living, basking in the glow of your amazing new album, yeah. man. Thank you so much for giving that to the world. Uh, first question is: uh, I told Bessie, when did it start? What is like? the origins of it was it a collection of songs that you had or was it a thought that this is going to be my new album and now i could build the songs kind of talk us through the the origins of this this new work yeah i think um what year are we in? we're in 2022 mm-hmm. i think um sometime maybe the top of 2020 like before pandemic um uh, which is like you should do a solo record <laughs> you should do a solo record there's a lot happening there's crazy momentum you should do a solo record so i had the idea from 2020 and then um, everything got really busy that year for us. Everything got really busy. And we started on tour. And he was like, yo, you need to do a solo record. You need to do a solo record. Like, there's a lot happening. You should just really just do the thing. And I was like, yeah, I should. And I didn't do anything for another year. <laughs> didn't do anything for the whole other year. And, I feel uh, seen by that comment. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator for certain. You know, but I think I was just kind of like maybe working it out and like what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of different versions of like what, you know, it came came to pass to be. But uh, yeah, I think it was like self-produced kind of things that I was doing at first and scrapped those once I started getting beats from my child actor, uh, set bashed via Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, oh, fuck that. I just want to rap. I don't really want to like, you know, do the double time duty. Like sometimes you can make a make a track and make a beat and you listen to it for three hours. And then it's just like, well, 
I'm numb right now. This is all I've heard. You know, I don't know where to go lyrically. I can step into a different kind of like mind space to start writing. So yeah, that's never really worked out too well for me. So I just kind of went the path of least resistance. You know, I was getting so, so much fire. And it was just like, damn, I could just pick. And then it just, I know, I think once I actually started, it was pretty quick, maybe nine months. Okay. And then, um, nine months of just kind of writing and then just walking in with, in with Willie Green and we knocked it out in three, four or five hour sessions. So 12 to 15 hours of recording. Yeah. That's dope, man. Well, you know, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the beats on here because I mean, um, b- besides the incredible writing, uh, your writing prowess that we're that we've come um, become accustomed to. I mean, the beats on here: Child Actor, Kenny Siegel, oh, yeah. Alchemist, um, August Manone. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, let us in a little bit on your beat picking process and sort of what goes through your mind mm-hmm. and and, and what sort of considerations did you take for this album specifically? It's uh, I, there's no there's no real process to be honest. Okay. You know what I mean? I think if you people are familiar with like. Uh, elusive solo material the sounds are pretty far reaching um and i'm not afraid to like really kind of stretch maybe to like the edge of like i don't know if i could even listen to this anymore is this actual music i don't (laughs) i kind of like that space i kind of like that space but i think here i was like well i've done that already i don't want to do the same thing again because i also love these type of beats right i i definitely wanted to like I don't know. I feel like what I've done in the past or whatever, you know, labels and tags or like whatever. I don't really care about when I when I would re- read reviews of other people's music. I was like, how come nobody ever says my music is psychedelic? I'm making some of the most psychedelic music. Mm-hmm. Out there. No one mm-hmm. ever like said that. So I was like, all right, you know, with these beats, like especially with child actors things, like I feel like it gives a soft kind of psychedelic. It's a really nice intro into. You know, if I would just do a whole record with, with child actor, it would start like that and just go way deeper. I feel like, but like what's presented here is like very palatable. It's very sweet. It's it's tricky enough to start looping things up in your brain, but but yeah, I think it's it's really just initial feelings like dealing with beats. Seb Bash hit me with like a super super stupid pack, of like thirty beats every time he hit me. Um, I don't know, something about the way he, honestly, I, I first saw him on Instagram. Mm. So seeing how he like started like flipping beats on Instagram and like, it's all like a lot of guys use Ableton and you're able to do like these like little tricks, computer wizardry, but he doesn't, he does it by hand. Like he'll just start lifting up the needle to the groove or he'll just start like fiddling. And it's just like, oh, that's, yeah, we need that. Like, that's what I like. That's what I like. Uh, so yeah just little kind of things he's tucking in his beats but all these like you know thinking about another one the song smile lines that august fanon did which is like a late addition to the record um mm. woods had sent me two beats august fanon also sends us beats regularly and i don't know i just i missed this one i missed this particular email there were two beats he said yo you should rap to one of these you should specifically you should rap to this one but it was I heard the two beats and I was like, no, no, that's not the one. And I chose the other one, which became Smile Lines. Um, yeah, we have different ears. We have different ears for beats. And it's cool to be in like a solo process where I don't have to convince someone that a beat is dope. You know what I mean? I don't have to like mm-hmm. present why I think this is what we should be doing. So 
it's just completely just like my taste and my sensibilities where I'm at right now. Yeah. Mm. Um, I want to comment on one thing you said, and then I have a question. It's I, as, as someone who thinks and writes and talks about your work a little bit, not as much as I would like to, I think people use the term experimental rather than psychedelic when they could, there's a lot of bridge between those two things, like your earlier solo stuff, you know what I mean? Like um, when it starts to dissolve, you could either see that as like a trip moment or like just a, is this music thing, like you said. It's, yeah. it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting line. I'm going to be thinking about that for a long time. Okay, um, on to the question part. Apologies if you've had to answer this many times during the press run, but like, did you feel pressure to level up or do something different coming off of Haram and Alk and festival dates and just a, having a slightly higher profile now? Uh, not until the record was done. Um, not until maybe a week before the record came out. I didn't feel any kind of anxiety. I was just kind of creating and no one knew. Mm. You know what I mean? I was just, no one knew. I was just like in and out of different cities. And like, whenever I got some downtime, I was writing these songs, usually when I get back home. And no one knew. I had no idea. And I like that space. I don't, yeah. don't want to let so much doubt enter like the creative zone. Mm. You know what I mean? I just kind of just go for it. I don't know. I think I recorded maybe something like maybe 20 some odd songs, record them all, and then just pick the best ones. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? It's just like try to have as little doubt as possible during the creation and then let all that, you know, Woods helps me with that, the sequencing mm -hmm. and, and choosing, you know, uh, the best joints. There'll be a couple ones he was like, I don't think this should be on here. And I was like, now nah, I'm going to bat for this song. Like, this <laughs> gonna stay um, for like a record like Split Tone. I don't mm -hmm. think he understood, but I think within the context of the record, I always knew like I wanted a record like that uh, on there because originally the record kind of started in that vein. Like that's mm -hmm. where I kind of wanted to go. I wanted a softer quiet a record i think i mentioned that last time i spoke with y'all oh um and it was like what can we expect yeah <laughs> record and i was, was like it should be it's gonna be something crazy this world's you know you know burning up and shit and i was just like yo i might want to just kind of like i don't know go inside myself a little bit it's, it's, mm. see, I, let's see like what it feels like and i think like that vibe has led me down that path that was one of the first songs um that was you know that child actor we had finished one nice. of the top three so yeah awesome um so certain listeners pundits myself have uh talked about sometimes your lyrics being inaccessible or not being able to comprehend them is that something that you care about as a writer how it lands and or uh see that's a no uh, and does it, uh, <laughs> does it, or do you, do, do you write stuff and be like, how are y'all not getting this? Like, it's not that, is it one of those? I think situations? it's both. I think it's yeah. both. I think it's both, but I don't, I don't particularly care. I think this kind of goes back to the trying not to allow doubt into like, like that mm. process. Right. I think, you know, in songs, there are lines that immediately jump out at you uh for whatever reason it's just that clear yep. then there are lines that don't because you don't know me you don't know where i came yep. from you don't know yep. who told me that yep. you don't know that there's an actual saying that's hundreds of years old like right. just got to heaven and i can't sit down i didn't make that up that song 
That mm. line is a blues song. That line is a gospel uh, song. Everybody's okay. great, 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 great grandmother who's black American in this country, like, okay, they know that line. You know what okay. I'm saying? Okay. So there's like a whole lineage of things that people may not be exposed to. They're not up on. So that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It's just like, oh, you just didn't know it. And that's cool. But I'm okay. just like here presenting it again because it hasn't been. I think it maybe deserves to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're you going to feel it in the rhythm and the pattern. Um, <laughs> I get some things, I get some things, um, kind of piggybacking on that, um, uh, given that, like Nate said, the profile has raised a little bit with Haram. Do you ever get pressure, like external pressure to be like, Hey, if you served up something that was a little more digestible now, you guys do X, Y, Z. Is that even a thing that comes into your world? That hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. I think. Which is cool because I, I think because um, I guess those people who might who we think might say that. Right. Like think about record label people, marketing people, even like live show people. Right. Because they would think we're not we're, they would think we're a hard ticket to sell. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not dancing. We have yeah. zero production value to our stage shows. It's just two guys a microphone and a laptop playing a beats and we're just rapping on like there's no there's no lights there's no fog (laughs) sometimes there's some video you know what i'm saying and people there's always someone that can say those sorts of things but i think that we've made it to wherever we're at and we're doing things that are like how are you how are y'all doing this how are you selling a 50 dollar piece of vinyl how are people waiting in your merch line for two hours why are you selling out a city? You don't have an album. Your album's over a year old. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's not mm-hmm. supposed to happen, but it's, that's kind of the wave we've been on. You know what I mean? And it's just like a testament to, I think, just like just really staying down and just doing what we wanted to do. And it took a while for us to like really, I don't know, connect with a lot of people, but being out on the show's, on the road this this past, I don't know, however long, yo, seeing people that are like, yo, I've been down with you since Rome. It's my first time seeing you. That's fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, being, being, I remember being in London um, very recently uh, and I did, I did spelling. I did spelling. People were like, immediately was just like the hook. And I was like, oh, I, I might have something. It was the first time I had did that song. Uh, I might have something with this song. And then we went to Berlin like two days later. And I swear to you, they were repeating the, the chorus. That's crazy. It's like they just saw it on YouTube from or social media. And it was just like, wait, y'all speak a different language. It's the first <laughs> time I'm doing this song and y'all know the chorus. I was like, this is bugged. This is really bugged out. So I don't know, man. You know, people will say these things. Maybe you should change it. And I was like, it's it's working. It's working. So why adjust, you know? That's so dope. It's definitely working for us. I mean, we, we're, we're big fans. And um, you mentioned Woods earlier, you know, in his involvement in the sequencing of the album and stuff. And, you know, him being sort of your partner in crime with Arm & Hammer, of course, but also um, just the label chief. Um, can you give us some insight as to, like, how he added to this album? And I know he's featured on it a little bit, but just sort of the, the inner workings of how, how Woods contributes when it's, like, not his album. Uh, I think, uh, so for me on this record, and this is, I think, as close as um, maybe Woods has been involved in, like, a creation of an elusive record. 
Mm. So he fielded beats. Um, he showed me some beats from like specific, like August Fanon and Kenny Siegel. Um, obviously like his work with Kenny Siegel with Hiding Places. So when we were out in LA, we linked up with Kenny Siegel, did a couple songs, August Fanon. Again, there's so many August Fanon beats. I just get lost. But he always, <laughs> he seems to like be up on it. So like, yo, maybe check this one out. Check this one out. But I think uh, for this record, that was pretty much the extent until it was time to sequence the record. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all the writing. I picked all the beats, except for those. Kenny Siegel and uh, also the Alchemist one. He, he slid the Alchemist one. So <laughs> Alchemist did a bunch and he slid that to me. Um, but yeah, the sequencing was really where it was at. Mm. Just like picking the song and like it should be this flow into it. And I'm like, nah, nah, it should be this flow. So it's real collaborative but that way. I think that's the, probably the spot where it gets more, more, uh, you know, teamwork there. Nice. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about the spelling video. Um, I think it was Nelson Bandela. Oh yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what, how did you, did you guys work on that together? Did he come with a treatment? Did you know you mm-hmm. wanted that to be the kind of single with the video? Like how did all that come to be? Oh, totally. Um, well, he actually, I believe he chose the song. I sent him the record. He was like, this one is really the one. And I was like, yeah, I thought so too. Um, but yeah, I had been wanting to work with Nelson and like the visual capacity for a long time. Also with like music, I think he's like a super talented producer as well. He's like one of these kind of polymath cats. He does like a whole, a whole lot of things. He has a lot of different, he's adept in many disciplines and, um, for this time, I remember just kind of like hanging out with him for a little while. We were doing music things. And uh, this is before I even kind of got started with the record. And then I didn't see him for a while. Then I got started working on the record. And then it came time again. I was like, yo, I would love one of these videos. He's always up on Instagram with his, you know, doing his own videos. And I was like, Wait, can you do one for me? Like, what if I think about this? You know, there's a park near my house. I had this idea of like, it's a little different from what the idea, the original idea was like, it's my personal my personal velodrome in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, <laughs> riding around on my bike. He's like, how are we going to figure this out? You know what I mean? He was like, well, you got the bike already. So that's one thing I need, some motion. And I'll just animate and do it like this. But he kind of like brainstormed it all himself and just did it all in a day. <laughs> you know, the shooting, whatever. And then he, you know, the animation takes a while. But yeah, he, he, he flipped that. He's a super talented person. Uh, there will be some more things coming in the future, some visual things. Yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, great, great uh, first single. I think the the lead single from an album is an art to like um, to pick in that, and I think you you hit that out the park. Um, I want to ask you a question about uh, your live performance. We were fortunate enough to catch Arm and Hammer in uh, San Francisco, and then Boise, Idaho. Strangely enough, uh, last year, sure. yeah, back to back on back to back nights, so or got really in a headspace about. The, the Arm and Hammer show. And what I noticed is that um, in front of both audiences, um, you don't say the N-word. And I was wondering, is that a choice that you make in all shows or just when you're like, we're out here in front of these white folks, we're not gonna give them that. I know there's certain artists like YG says, you can't say the N-word when he says it at his show, yeah. uh, but y'all just deleted it all together. And I've just been dying to ask you kind of what the, 
the intent and thought process. Yeah, I respect I respect YG's um I respect how how YG says it because it's really up to me. It's really up to like the artist if I'm gonna say this or not. But then you know sometimes I'm just kind of in my head and then sometimes I'm not in my head. But when I'm in my head, like I don't want to see y'all re- repeating this to me. I'm not <laughs> yeah. no so you know it goes both ways. Sometimes yes and then sometimes no. Sometimes mm. Woods loves a substitution. He'll substitute neighbor. <laughs> you know what I mean? He do all kinds of things. But yeah, it, it, it's it's really how I feel that night. And I think <laughs> being in Idaho, thank you, was a no. It was going to be a no. <laughs> I feel like I, before we got on stage, I feel like before we got on stage, like people were just like telling me about all the kind of crazy shit that had been happening in Boise, like not too long before the festival, and it's like white supremacy hotbed, and yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? All this kind of, and I was like, well, yeah, not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there was one listener who really appreciated that. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's been, there's been some reviews of the record and stuff, and I think some of them are super thoughtful. And I, I read a few that have been just kind of, let, let's just say sort of tepid. And I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to firstly see, do you read reviews of your work? And also, if you if you have, especially for this project, do you feel like people are absorbing it like how you'd want it to come off? Hmm. Well, I do read some of the reviews. I often don't ever finish the reviews. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of don't like a lot of them, but I think I would chalk that up to also like I think kind of the way that maybe the record was even like handled with press. Like no one really had it for a while. I feel like it's something, maybe you should have the record for a few months before you have a comment. That's cool. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, mm-hmm. I don't know how that works with like editorial cycles. So if I put a record out tomorrow and then you had the record like the week before, then what were we in? In June, maybe you don't say anything about my record until September. Yeah. I, for me, mm-hmm. I'd be cool with that. But I don't think that's like a reality. Right. in like journalist world but yeah i could also get it to them early but that's not really how backwoods is really ever done <laughs> but, um, i think we got this one about four hours early we, we, we will very occasionally yeah. get it slightly early i think i got one listen in before it dropped. but we we got uh quelly chris's death fame like two months before yeah, and true. i totally agree with you it made me have a more informed take on it yeah i think i think it's just something to sit with like it's hard you know as writers y'all know y'all absorb so much music y'all digest so much music and then to like come up with like clear original thoughts thought-provoking statements about like an album times however many you're doing in a month like that that shit is tough that shit is tough so it's like yeah man people just kind of need time to sit with it so i'm not i'm not i don't go so hard on like oh this review was whack this review was poorly written i might i might say something like that it might be poorly written right like mm-hmm. structure and lead-ups to like grand statements like i was that shit was corny but i mean actual <laughs> statements about the record like actually absorbing what you think i was thinking when i made this sometimes i take some time just sit with a record you know word Thank yeah you. Uh, you sound exactly like us. <laughs> we, we read everyone else's work too, but you're such a great writer. So it's yeah. it's all writing totally. at the end of the day, right? I'm, sure. I'm going to ask you a, a housekeeping question, but I'm doing it specifically on the air during the interview. So we can say this in front of, you can say this in front of the listeners and the, the public as well. 
How important are the capital letters and the spaces in between the letters in the spelling of your name to you now at this point? Uh, it's important. Okay. Uh, and it started because I was tired of seeing my name spelled incorrectly. It was always E-U-C-L-I-D, like the, the Greek geometry guy. That's it's not, and I don't spell my name in the rhymes. But then everything got like, super text-based so like you'd see rappers or art any artist's name see somebody's name on the internet but not know how to actually say it yep. and then when you said it in public it's like weird and you know you can say the same thing and three different people say it three different ways it's like well we're kind of just in this time where it's just like let's just make it as plain as possible all caps and a space so you recognize the six individual letters is no and we still get it wrong Still get it wrong, so. I feel like Woods has it said on matter. some other podcast I listen to, he's like, I'll give him the capitals, but I'm not doing the spaces. <laughs> like in the, like in the <laughs> backwoods promo materials and stuff like that. And to yeah. be honest, if I'm if I look back at how we build you on past episodes, I probably got it wrong too. Just because yeah. as wasn't long as it's spelled yet. right, really though, as long as yeah. it's spelled right, I'm not I'm not a Kai Solo. Kai <laughs> Solo. <laughs> Demands all caps at all times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got you. It'll be right yeah. on this one, and I'll try to go back and fix <laughs> the other ones. But I, 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 we want to be respectful, but everyone's name is weird now. You know what I mean? It's like remembering all the little uh, punctuation marks and stuff people throw in their names. It's a lot. Sex I, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, kind of a weird question, but just wanted to know, like, kind of why, and you, you, you fully covered it. Awesome. Uh, no, weird question number two, or maybe not weird question. Uh, the the cover image for uh, I told Bessie. Um, can you break that down a little bit and, and tell us what's what's happened in that pic? Like where did it come from? Oh, um, that's a family photo. Um, that's a photo of my uncle Everett and the family dog Kimba. Hmm. It was uh, in Red Hook Projects, and I think the year. Uh, it was like 1980, maybe 79, 80. Okay. Um, uh, Everett was my dad's brother. Their mother was Bessie, my grandmother. Mm. Um, and I don't know. The record's called I Told Bessie. Yeah. She's featured in the, the album mark that y'all will see in the vinyl or whatever. Okay. But it's also like I can't tell Bessie's story without mentioning Everett, who lived with her until the day that he died. Okay. Um, so anytime I would see her, he'd be there as well. But it's like the uh, the image itself. Uh, I had I had taken a bunch of photos of Alex Richter, and I really love the photos. But there was there wasn't anything that I thought was like, all right, this is gonna be my album cover, like a clear mm. cut. Period. I couldn't really make a decision. It's just like I'm looking up photos of myself, and it's just fucking weird. <laughs> so I don't know. I went back home and I was like going through like old pictures and things. And as soon as I saw the photo, it's like the positioning of like the dog and my uncle was just strange. Like who's submissive and who's being dominant here? Kind of like confused. But I know this is Kemba. I know this is Everett. I know they're not like fighting. They're not. A, he's not abusing the dog. You know what I mean? Right. They're just right. just a big German Shepherd just playing with a big dog. And I just made me like, I don't know, there's something about that space where I wasn't sure what was happening that really clicked for me. And I was like, this is really interesting. And 
looks like an album cover to me. It looks like what an album. Oh, cover. for it's for sure. I kind of knew this was this was gonna be it. What was Wood's initial reaction? Do you remember? Oh, he loved it. Yeah, he loved it. Yeah, yeah. there's I like an that. animal theme happening with y'all that I'm, I'm noticing. <laughs> yeah. If we yeah, go yeah, back yeah. to uh to shrines, uh, yeah, and Haram. Yeah, now people and do that. Right. Yeah, a lot of people will see that, you know, you know, later on, 10 years down the line. You see it now, but yeah, it's definitely that theme that was kind of like unintentional, which for sure. That, that's amazing. Um, I, I hate to be the person that asked this question, but we never know when we're going to talk to you again. Uh, you dropped an amazing album, but what's next? <laughs> what's coming up? <laughs> you have a ton more touring coming? Are you guys just on an endless uh, tour until right. the steam runs out? There's, there's going to be some things this summer. Okay. There's dates every month. I'm gonna be in LA in August. Okay. Okay. Oh, word. okay. Um, yeah, there was just like some Northwest things, some Chicago things, some New York things. So we're y'all there. came to the Bay for like five minutes. <laughs> y'all did like a, a Bay Area show for at Yo, seven o'clock. Well, that was so confusing. <laughs> that was so confusing, man. Because it's just like, yo, we, I don't know. I think it was a new venue. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know that Baby Mother was playing after us. I thought that was kind of weird, like two rap shows back to back. Like, how are you going to? So we were just, I don't know, we were just bullshitting. <laughs> and I think 20 minutes passed, and like we were supposed to be on stage, and they come on, like, y'all ready to do a show? Yeah, right, it's still light go. outside. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's right? just confusing. I've never rapped like at a venue in the daytime. Yeah. So, yeah, man. I don't, but that show was cool, though, because like, we had never, we had never really like did like Adderall set like that. It was just super manic, <laughs> high energy. Like, let's cut the song short here. Let's go to this one. I don't know what we're doing next. That shit was actually fun. Mm. And then we started kind of like taking elements of that into the shows after, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the interesting. Run, the Europe run especially is just like, yo, we just, just cut it. Next shit. Just keep next going. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Just, just to break up the pacing. So I, we learned that. Y'all were dope that night. I remember that. That was, that was open was tight. <laughs> awesome. Well, we we hope uh, we hope we can catch you and or the the whole crew coming back through the Bay Area. Uh, we love this album. It's gonna be. I got. I'm gonna ask another question. Um, <laughs> how much do you care about this album of the year thing, which is like a, a fake thing that we podcaster commenters right. do? I well. I was going to say I'm not a competitive person, but I'm a secretly competitive person. <laughs> I don't think you can rap like that. Uh, I, want a I want it. I want it. I know it means nothing outside of my mind, but I still want it. I okay. still want it. I've never, I don't know if I've ever been considered in anyone's album of the year yeah. discussions at like wherever I'm at right now at this point. I've never, yeah. never been considered. So it's exciting and God damn it, I want it. Oh man, I think, I think I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I just feel like <laughs> between Quelly Chris rec has a great yeah. record, yes, um, yes. of course, great. My record, who else, man? This, 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 some that's good, that's the three horse really, race right <laughs> now for me. Some good shit out here, so but yeah, I'm, I'm honored. It's to nice to have it all in the community, kind of, you know, that's it's. Right? It, it, when you right. when one of you wins, everybody wins. Everyone's featured on everything. It's it's. Quale mm-hmm. Chris is a secret member of Arm and Hammer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get no. that. Yeah, it's good, man. Oh man, uh, okay, that just ratcheted up the pressure like 100 <laughs> now. Um, we're gonna bring this interview to close so we can start arguing about it. 
Alusa, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yes. I appreciate y'all for talking to me. Appreciate y'all yeah. talking to like a lot of dope artists out here and like providing this for us to talk about our records. It means everything for real. Appreciate oh, that. Man. Thank you so much for saying that. Thanks for joining. And yeah, uh, yeah, thank you for the music, man. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, We'll uh, we'll let you go, but um, let's do this again. I think we've had you on for the last four or five records. So whenever you are open door policy, whenever you want to talk, let's do it. All right, y'all. All All right, man. Thank you. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, that was our conversation with Lucid. Uh, great conversation. I, I feel like um, the album of the year thing is it's gonna be heated. It's gonna be heated. I love I love that he was honest enough to be like, "Hey, I, I care about this." Um, he doesn't care, also, but he cares. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, also, nice of him to tell us to our face. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. But also, doesn't. he wants that shit. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right, cool, man. Right. Uh, it's it's fun so to talk about. It's fun to think about. It's at the end of the day, the music exists and people can access it whenever they want, however they want. But I just looking at our numbers, people really like lists. Yeah, yeah they do. totally. There's totally. a reason we started adding in the quarterly check-in, the half-year check-in. It's like that's, those <laughs> numbers are, they're basically guaranteed to do numbers. If we could rank something every week, the show would be much more popular. Yeah, People yeah. just care about that. It, it's interesting. It, it makes for interesting uh, discussion, you know, and um, and uh, Elucid made for interesting discussion, man. It's always good to Absolutely. fucking connect with that guy, man. He's so Absolutely. cool. Yeah. Um, he's so laid back. I think it's funny to think we used to be kind of scared of him, or I used to be kind of totally. scared of him. Oh, I was scared of him the first yeah. time we talked to him. <laughs> the first time we talked to him, I was very much like on like my best behavior and I didn't know what to say. And he's uh you kind of realize the growl that's in his voice is just it's not mean, if that makes totally. sense. You no, guys know totally, what I mean because totally. we've gotten to know him yeah. over the years. Right. I mean, we were on the same plane with him going to Boise. It was totally, like, what yeah. is going on? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for somebody who makes like intense music, I mean, he's so laid back, man. So it's really cool to sort of see that juxtaposition. And, yeah. Oh, uh, just super insightful in the way he talks about the most normal things. So totally. you can see, you can see how that translates to rec on on record. It has a good uh, a good kind of um, outlook on his own music, which I don't oh. know that artists always have. Like he's, you could tell he's an introspective cat. So mm-hmm. he's kind of worked out some of these things in his head, and he's also kind of responding to the way people respond. Um, to his music, you know, because I know there's some people that are going give a shit what you think about this. Yeah. But um, he does in a way that's that's really thoughtful and interesting. And something, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but like he's, since we first talked to him, he's experienced some pretty big success. They played to some big crowds. Yeah. They've, yeah. I'm, I'm going to imagine if the records are $50, made a little bit of money. Like, you know, it's yeah. like, it's it's like he's wearing it well. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. He seems yeah. a little more content. He seems a little bit more comfortable in his own skin, and I'm I'm probably projecting. I don't know him like that, but uh, you could tell when he was talking about the the tours and the things that the, they've experienced. Like he's he's going to be just fine. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. It's like it won't, it won't be it won't be ruinous the blow up, right? Right. Like when we uh, saw like <laughs> I've been thinking about this a ton. Uh, Dave, when we saw Action Bronson in uh, 2011, yeah, yeah, we yeah. thought he was gonna die. <laughs> totally, but, like he could totally. he couldn't finish any of his verses. He was totally. smoking like re- Cheech and Chong sized joints on stage, and he was yeah. still like, I mean, he was probably at his heaviest at that point. Yeah, he hadn't I started mean, his recent workout regimen. He just looked like he was gonna keel over. Totally, the the notion of breath control didn't exist. Yeah, on that totally, show, at that totally. Show. I mean. Yeah, that's that. But, uh, you know, if you guys are able to check out Elucid and or Arm and Hammer um, in concert, uh, Elucid brings such an energy. And like to, to, to me, he's he's kind of like the hurricane of, of Arm and Hammer on he stage. He comes in like a cyclone. Yeah, come, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Physically and kind of the, his his vocals and things. Um, it's it's a sight to behold. So I would encourage totally. you to, to check out. Yeah. And uh, you can understand the words. Like it's just like mm-hmm. it seems it sounds mm-hmm. dumb, but, but unless you've been to a lot of hip hop shows and you know that it's really hard to understand what people are saying, unless it's yep. like an arena show, usually. And yeah. even then, depending on where you're sitting, it's just like the fact you can understand their deeply complex verses means that they have their kind of performance thing really locked in. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. So we we thank uh Elucid for coming on the program and I'm glad I got to ask him the N-word Boise question has been sitting on my (laughs) mind literally for more than a year now. Yo, Bay Area heads, Bay Area adjacent heads, Northern Californians, it's your boy Dem here. Just wanted to let y'all know about a gathering me and my folks are putting together on Saturday, July 16th. It's called Slapbox. A Beatmaker's Invitational and Record Swap. Slapbox is presented by the same folks who brought you the Eastside Record Swap. Imagine SJ, Needle to the Groove SJ, and Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are going to have live beatmaking sets from Weezmatic of the Bangers, Tico, Mint Beats, and Some OK. There will also be a special performance by up-and-coming rapper by the name of Jake Gatsby. In addition to bringing together some of the illest button mashers in the area, we will also be hosting a record swap where vinyl lovers can cop fly shit from local wax purveyors. Come for the beats, stay for the breaks. It's Slapbox, Saturday, July 16th, 6 to 10 p.m. at the School of Arts and Culture in the heart of East San Jose. Did I mention this is a free event? Yeah, it's free, but the space is extremely limited. So go to bit.ly slash slapbox ticks that's b-i-t dot l-y slash slapbox ticks peace so nate my 17 year old self is ecstatic about your cve piece this <laughs> it filled in so many blanks about um a, a group and an artist in ridley that um uh you know there really wasn't much written about. Has there been another piece? No, I mean, I'm sure they've been written about in various defunct magazines and things like that, but I don't think anyone has looked at them through a contemporary lens of their place in the hip hop world lately, or um, this compilation, which brings together some of their best work and is like readily available. Like you could order wax right now. um, If if you you chose to do so. Um, So yeah, that was kind of the slant I wanted to take on it. And um, I was expecting 
uh, fish to show up as well, but then he didn't. This all got arranged through third parties. I didn't. Got it. I didn't start this. I was asked to do it. Got it. So but there's other fish, right? A little different for me. It's just like uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to address him anyway. So it was like, save hello, that. ninja fish. Yeah, save that whole thing. <laughs> Neighbor fish. Great to meet you. You know what I mean? Um, so it, he. Rid was so cool. Um, he's like sending me one of his tapes in the mail, and like, nice. yeah, just it was in like a nice backyard on like a sunny Saturday, and we just like chatted for like forty five minutes, and yeah, it was great. It's um, I'm really into the compilation. It's nice to be listening to them and thinking about them again, and um, they're just they're really 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 good rappers, and their yeah. their stuff doesn't really sound like anything else. So I was just happy to shine a little light on it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know I told you when this first was coming down, like, oh, if you have any questions, but then you know that's just not how we actually do it. <laughs> I know, and and I'm like, whatever I'm gonna ask, Nate is gonna do something more insightful and better phrased. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, yeah, y'all was rapping, huh? Well, it's it's funny because uh, somebody transcribed it for me, and when you get it back transcribed, you really I really see how I don't actually ask questions. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just <laughs> statement. What do you think about that? Which I don't know how to ch- if I should change it at this point, but that yeah. is certainly my interview style. So it was oh, fun. It's the NLB uh, uh, signature there. Uh, yeah, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, in in Wax Po, um, uh, it's that's on no. uh, Passion of the Passion Wax. of the White. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, on Passion of the Weiss right now. Check out Nate's uh, story about CVE. Dave, you be writing what you, you got. You got some new heat. Yes. Um, the I wrote the liner notes for the uh, upcoming reissue. I think it has actually been reissued. Like I think it came out in um, in June for uh, mm-hmm. Matt Cabin. So um, yeah, that was really fun. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to holding the physical in my hand. Um, yeah. You know, part of the reason I always just sign up to do these things is just because you get the, you know, <laughs> you the little booklet, you know? So yeah. um, that's always fun to be physical. And um, yeah, you know, um, it, it always gives you a chance. I like doing liners because you kind of get a, get a chance to reflect on an album, obviously. And yeah. to reflect on like early Dilla is fucking great. And you know, yeah. the making the making of the video drop and all that crazy stuff and how that went down and sort of and then sort of how their uh, career uh, disintegrated, you know, after, um, yeah. after that. Yeah. But um, yeah, really great project to be a part of. Um, really happy um, to see how it turned out. And um, yeah, man, I'm just really looking forward to getting in the mail. Did you yeah, try I... to write something that means something? when is it gonna drop no uh wasn't it wasn't informed were you running to go get this assignment (laughs) all day folks we got it all day was uh was your did you find that the liner notes were at all informed by our conversation with fat lip and i know that was a minute ago but he he did talk about lab cabin when we right i i i've interviewed fat lip a couple times and and I didn't use any of uh, any of our conversation with him, though, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I remember uh, the conversation when, that we spoke to him about was a little bit more uh, Bizarre Ride centric. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I just really gave me a chance to like reflect on the album again. I mean, I, it's such a fucking great album, dude. And I, yeah, really, it, it really, I really feel like it gets overlooked because, you know, Bizarre Ride is Bizarre Ride, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but this was like them taking a serious turn. And it's, it's, it was really cool to have a moment with it. And then uh, also we have that for folks who read uh, Dilla Time, um, 
what song was it that that introduced Questlove to the to the Dilla uh, oh, man, to the Dilla drum trap? I'm not I'm not sure if it was something that I actually wrote about it in the liner notes. I can't remember the cut right now. So you got that was a tease. You got to read Dave's liner notes. You got to read Dilla time. But uh, Lab Cabin holds an interesting place in terms of like bridging the old and the new and the introduction right. of Dilla um, in his sound. Um, so yeah, you know the bros is out there. Shit, I should write some. Yeah. I'm gonna do a yes, Come please. On. Yes, I'm going to do a ball-headed hose retrospective <laughs> uh, with Willie D. <laughs> what that you would see, be, D? <laughs> that'd be incredible. That'd be incredible. You know what? You know what? Here's what I've been thinking about, and I'll workshop this here because we're we're doing the outro now. Um, MC Light's Eyes on This, which you guys know of my, my deep uh, reverence for MC Light's early work. MC Light's Eyes on This finally hit DSPs. I'm not sure exactly when it happened. They weren't there six months ago. They're there now. Um, yeah, when I'm kind of sitting around on a Sunday with like 45 minutes, I go, you know what, it'd be cool to like unpack this and kind of, uh, give people a sense of that album is more important than it is currently, uh, being held up as. And so I, I'd love to, uh, write about that and like talk to Milk Tea or something like that. That would be amazing. Dude, but, um, it. you know, I'll be happy to help set it up in whatever ways I can, man. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll get off my ass and write. But uh, for now, you know, we're going to keep the podcast pod rolling. Uh, as you know, you can connect with us on Twitter at DadBodRapPod. We are on IG at DadBodRapPod uh, with thirst traps already. Um, so just, <laughs> <laughs> just be ready. I got my login, y'all. So shit's about to change. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and always you can connect with us. The best way to connect with us is at patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod. I hear there is a new fly sporadic in the works. Uh, nice. Almost done. Uh, I'm going for kind of a blown out uh, 60s psych vibe on nice. this one. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. Mix. I'm kind of doing like a one for them, one for me kind of thing. Okay. This one's for me. <laughs> okay which i i feel like w- what was the one that you did kim quarter was that for you or was that for us that was for me uh See, I, yeah, I like that, that like, one experimenting a lot with that one I'll, i'm gonna i have yeah. some ideas for the next one actually uh some of the new elucid tracks i'm like this would be perfect for kim yeah. quarter um yeah. as there was a an elucid track on the first one as well but yeah it's, yeah. it's kind of like hip-hop one non-hip-hop one hip-hop right. one you. non-hip-hop right. one gotcha like, yeah so i actually have the next three left field ones planned out i need to figure out a hip-hop thing in between between. yeah okay all right well stay tuned for that please uh subscribe to our patreon and we drop episodes every thursday it is a dead bod rap pod
Yeah, excited. I like. I need a little break, like just from the monotony. You know what I mean? For sure. And all the hardcore jams. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was going for it. I was winding up. Come on. A little bit out of control, huh? Pull <laughs> <laughs> <All> the dance. <laughs> oh man. All right. So okay. Uh, okay.